This is Jamie Finn from Foster the Family, and this is The Real Mom Podcast. Hey there, friends. It is episode 17 of season two of The Real Mom Podcast, and today I am talking to Emily Norton. You may recognize Emily. She is wife to Chris Norton, and chances are you have seen the video of the two of them walking down the aisle, her right under his shoulder, supporting him as he walks down despite the 3% odds that he would ever have movement beneath his neck. But that is just the beginning of their story, honestly, and throughout their entire story, they are inspiration. We talk a little bit about Chris and all that he overcame and how she was right alongside him through it all. But then we're just talking momhood, foster care, adoption. They have five daughters adopted through foster care. They've cared for 17 children. And you will just love her heart for kids and the way that she's learned to love them and then entrust them to the Lord. It is really a time of me asking her, how do you do this? How do you love people well? And then how do you find a way to take care of yourself and to not carry it all? We had a sweet conversation, and I know that you're going to love Emily and you're going to learn from her just the way I did. Enjoy this episode, episode 17 of season two of The Real Mom Podcast. Hi, Emily. How are you? Good. I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be on here and to be able to talk to you. I'm so happy too. I I feel like there's something, I love memoirs. I've always loved memoirs, but there's something about a memoir that is so intimate. I feel like I haven't just gotten to know your story that I've gotten to know like you and your heart. And so just chatting with you is surreal and so cool. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Well, hey, being on here is surreal for me too, because it's the podcast that I listen to. I always listen to every single episode and it's been really helpful on my journey too with fostering and adopting. So um, oh it gives me a lot of strength and insight and I've really appreciated all that. That's an honor. Thanks, Emily. All right. Well, we are going to get to your journey as a foster parent and all of that, but I think we have to start at the beginning, especially because I've had the joy. Now, I did this somewhat intentionally, somewhat because life is crazy and I don't finish anything the way I want to. I have read three quarters of your book. So I haven't even gotten to probably the meat of what we'll talk about today. But I I started this book kind of like, okay, I'm going to, you know, talk to Emily. I should, I would say within a page or two of your voice and a page or two of Chris's voice, I was in tears. And the way that you both share your story with such just faith, and I feel like optimism can kind of sound like a shallow word, but optimism in like the deepest, truest sense, which is just like a deep trust and a trust that lends itself to joy. Like the way that you both share is so beautiful. And I would say within a couple of pages, I was like, whoa, this girl is my people because <laughs> you as a teenager is me as a teenager. Oh, and like, we're, like I had an after school program that I started and I was like, I'm going to adopt all the children. And I'm like, oh, wow, we are the same person. Now our stories oh, yeah. have gone differently, but I'm like, I'm yeah, really, that's so cool. we're on the same page. So awesome. I just want you to basically 
summarize <laughs> a little bit of your story with your husband. Everything I just read, which I am going to link all over to this book because it is a joy and I want everyone to read it. But give us sort of a summary of this book. Yeah, absolutely. So my husband had a spinal cord injury playing college football. Um, it happened three years before we met. Um, we met in college, but so he was actually paralyzed from the neck down and given a 3% chance to move or feel anything below his neck. And he's just somebody who was like, absolutely not. That's not going to happen to me. I'm going to be the 3%. And he has just worked super hard to do everything in his power to beat that and to focus on what he can do and to be thankful for what he has and set big, big goals and goals that scared him that really pushed him to do more than what he ever thought he could do. Um, so me and Chris met about three years after his injury. And there's just this instant connection. We met online. Um, neither of us were really planning for like a serious relationship, but God had that planned. <laughs> and so we just had that instant connection where I felt like I had already known him for such a long time. Things were super- right, Can I stop you real quick? Yes, How, <laughs> when I read that, that he was kind of consumed with this, like, okay, what is she going to think and feel mm -hmm. about my chair and my abilities? And you- basically didn't even see that and basic like how walk me through that that, that you were yeah. like oh yeah he's at a, like no big deal I mean, honestly, I think for a long time, it was pretty, I was pretty naive to it. Like I didn't understand okay. it at all. Yeah. Um, and so I was very naive to it. And I just saw him as a person as just something that like naturally is easier for me to do. Yeah, okay. um, so I saw his qualities and realized like he has every quality that I want in a man. So I really focused on that. Um, and then I would say though, like once our relationship got more serious and I like, I was like, man, I see this person for the rest of my life, like being my husband, the father of my children. And then it's like, well, how is this going to work? How is it yeah. going to work with everything on my shoulders, um, with physical stuff and he needs help himself. And then like, how are we going to be able to have kids someday when there's so many responsibilities that I'm going to have to do? Um, so there was definitely then fears kind of creeped in. Um, but I tried to just push him aside because I really did feel peace in my heart, like that me and Chris were supposed to be together and that God had this plan. Um, so try to just push those fears to the side and just focus on the good things. Cause we all have things that hold us back in life. You can see Chris's challenges, but every single one of us has certain yeah, things yeah. that paralyze us and things that we struggle with. And I mean, that's just part of a relationship. Um, and so his mindset was just something that I never met anybody like that. He had a better mindset than I did. And I had way less struggles. I, I just think that the fact that it, it makes sense to me that lo the logistics of it became something you were afraid of, but mm -hmm. I feel like if, if I didn't know you, which I don't know you, but I feel like I do because of the book, the fact that you saw him and didn't really see his chair is all that someone needs to know about you. I feel like what I've read of this book, like that is who you are, like seeing people at their soul level mm -hmm. and not being overwhelmed by the needs and right. seeing these as like an opportunity to serve and love. And, but I'm like, okay, yeah, that is who this girl is. She's the kind of girl who meets someone and doesn't see what other people see because she just sees their heart. So I, yeah. I just think you're a beautiful person. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay. So I interrupted you. Oh, it's okay. So you guys met instant connection. Right. Yep. So instant connection and um, just, I mean, I guess too, I should back up too, because I mean, that's always been on my heart of fostering and adopting. And um, that was a big thing, even in our relationship. I was like, yeah, like 
if, if we're going to be together forever, like we are adopting someday, we are fostering, that's happening. <laughs> like this is That so was on strong. the table. He knew what yes. he was getting into with that. Oh yeah. And he was very naive too. He had no idea that there's kids in our country that don't have families that are living in group homes that have been abused and neglected. Like he had no idea. So it was an eye-opening experience for him. Um, and that's been a cool journey to just see his eyes open and him to grow this passion for really trying to help these kids too. Um, so Yes. So we instant connection. We had been dating for a while um, and went through some struggles, some hardships. Um, But then Whitley called us and Whitley was a girl that I mentored in high school. She was 17 at the time and she was going to be put in juvenile detention center or a group home treatment center until she turned 18 and aged out of the system. So she asked if we would be her foster parents and definitely wasn't part of the plan at that time. Like we weren't married yet. So we we're like, hold on a second. But we knew we had to. We were so concerned of like, what's going to happen to her and her life if we say no. We're all she has. There's no families that would take her in because she did have a lot of different behavioral issues. She had been in trouble. Um, just really, we had a lot of struggles and challenges. Um, she had been and you were well from- aware of these struggles. I mean, I know a lot of people who accept teenagers and difficult placements don't always know what they're getting into. You knew her struggle specifically, yes. not even just teenager struggle, but this is how this girl struggles. Yep. Oh, absolutely. I'd been there since she was 11 years old when she was yeah. taken out of her home. Um, and I had been there since that time. Um, she was in her 18th placement at the time. Uh, so transferred place to place. She had tried committing suicide multiple times, um, was running away all the time. Like it was really hard because I loved her so much. Like I always had this strong love for her. Um, so at that point, we just knew we had to say yes. I was 23. Chris was 24 at the time. So it seemed really crazy because she was married. 17 and we were in a chair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a lot of reasons that we could have been disqualified, you yes. know, like, like, man, we don't feel qualified to do this. But um, something that our pastor said at church was God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Mm-hmm. And we knew that he was calling us to this. We knew that we were all she had in finding a family forever and having people really speak life into her. So God has just absolutely equipped us. It has not been easy at all. It's been super hard. It's still is. Um, so she's 20 right now. We adopted her in December. Um, and there's still challenges. Just seven months ago, December. Yes. Just oh seven gosh. months ago. Yep. So okay. we just actually adopted her and made it official. Um, and, but I mean, there's still like just that trust. It's really, really hard. Um, it's a battle like all the time with her because for 17 years of her life, even though I was there, um, it was so inconsistent and so many people breaking trust and so much abuse, trauma, neglect, all of that, where it was, it's still really hard. It it is. And it's, but it's worth it. And we're noticing changes, but it's even today, it's like, you just gotta, I gotta let things go and still just try to stay as patient as possible and really think about the progress she's made instead of focusing on this, the behaviors or the things that are still coming out and the, just the struggles, yeah. um, what's been helpful. Um, and then, so with Whitley lived with us until she graduated from high school. Um, and then we decided to open our home to other kids. 
I've been, I've worked at group homes and I knew it's just such a huge need and hate the fact that there's kids in group homes who are struggling, who don't have family support. Um, so we decided to open our home. We said, we'll take one, one kid under the age of two at first. <laughs> this was like two years ago. The first placement was two kids, of course, <laughs> a baby and a three, a three year old and a two month old little baby. And then it's just slowly grown from there. I mean, then we ended up with five kids. We accepted a sibling group of four girls. Um, just recently we had seven. Uh, and then, so we ended up adopting four girls. There's so much. I'm trying not to, there's so no, no, much. No, that's I'm okay. Trying I'm going to get it out. But, to all of it. This okay, is what I wanted, good. like a flyover. And okay. then I'm going to come back because I really want to know the details of everything. Okay, cool. <laughs> Sounds good. So then we um, accepted a placement group of four girls uh, like a year and a half ago. And we just adopted those girls in February. So now we have five daughters from the age of three up to 20. So that's kind of like the... Just, I guess, yeah. <laughs> of a really, really long story with a lot. Oh, of okay. All right. So you are my favorite kind of crazy. I, I just love it. Oh yeah. But here's what I have to ask you. How, I mean, your parents, the move across the country when you guys were dating and you aren't, you know, go jumping into a job right away and all of that, like your parents clearly aren't like, we're going to follow all the rules. They clearly are able to see people outside of the box. But how many people in your life from maybe teenager to now have told you you're crazy or have tried to like focus on the logistics and how impossible everything is without seeing the call? Yeah. I mean, there definitely have been people, but I know I'm crazy and I'm fine with that. (laughs) It's just like, I, I'm so strong and my parents raised me to be just very, very strong with my views and, um, and just knowing like what's right, I guess. And just really feeling like what God's calling me to do. Um, so I'm so like, tuned into that. But then there's definitely like been other people who look at us like, yeah, we're crazy. Like, how can you do this? It doesn't make any sense. There's no way you can make these things work. And yeah. I mean, we have, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I would have, yeah, exactly. Like it works well. Like we're able to do it. Um, so I just, I try, I really am able to just push those views aside because people who aren't in it don't really get it. Um, but people who are, there's a lot of people who do get it. Yeah. Um, Have people brought legitimate, like, we don't think this is wise. Here are my concerns. Like have people, I think it's easy for people to be like, oh, you're crazy and be like, well, we're crazy because Jesus called us to this. But it's another thing when people come and actually question, is this wise? Is this, have you had that? And how have you focused on the call through that? Yeah. I mean, I have definitely had certain conversations where people have brought up some logistical things of why they think this isn't the greatest decision or why things might not work or how this could really come back and like um, turn on us in a negative way and where things become harder. But I really just try to just focus on what I believe God's calling me to do and what he's trying to call us to do and focusing on why we should do it instead of why we shouldn't. Um, I think is what is really helpful of really focusing on like why we need to do this. What's going to happen if we don't do this? What happens if we say no to this? If what's going to happen to that kid? We, we definitely have said no, don't get me wrong. Like there's been lots of places where we've said no, like this, I don't feel like it's a right fit for our family. Um, but when I feel like God has called us to something and I just feel like I'm, I'm very in tune to that and I just know it. Um, and Chris is more, 
he doesn't have that same in, same thing in him. He's um, so guy. Yeah, he's a guy where he's like, hold on, this is yeah, not yeah. going to work. Just recently, a few months ago, when we accepted two more girls, so we had seven, <laughs> got the call in the middle of the night, and he, we're sleeping. I woke up, though. It was really weird. It was, I totally think it was the Holy Spirit, because I woke up, and then I had a text message that came that was there from our licensing agency, like, here's these two girls, I need a place to go. So then when I first told Chris, it was his strongest no. He's like, absolutely not. We cannot <laughs> have seven kids. There's no way. He's tired. He keeps falling back asleep. I'm like, but Chris, and I'm very persuasive. <laughs> like when I know like that, I feel so called to do it. I'm very, very persuasive. So I keep just going at it like, well, what if they can't find anybody? What if we just take them for the night? What if we just take them for a few days? And then eventually he's like, okay, like, all right. <laughs> Cause and he even has told me the same thing. Like he knows when I'm going to make something work because of that. Like when I'm really feel called to it, like yeah. he's like, I know you'll step up and make it work when you're that persuasive and that determined to do it. So he's like, felt, feels in. comfortable trusting that I'm all in to do yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And it's been those two little girls. One of my favorite things where I feel like we made a really big impact in a six-year-old girl's life. We ended up keeping them for three months. Okay. <laughs> so it wasn't a short-term thing because they couldn't find a family in the middle of the night. There was no one that would take them. Yeah. So that's how that turned out. But so she first, her and her little sister, an 11-month-old baby, and then a six-year-old. And the six-year-old first came and we were praying at lunch that day. And she's like, oh, we don't pray in our family. I was like, okay, that's fine. Like, you don't have to pray. We're never going to shove that at all. You know, like that's yeah. your choice. And then that night, um, our girls, our four younger girls were sitting there tucking her in a bed, praying with her, singing to her. It was the sweetest thing. And then all of a sudden she's like, I want to pray. And she prayed for the first time. And then it was this just snowball effect where she just wanted more and more and more. She kept talking about God, kept asking about God. Like she built this strong relationship with God when she was with us such an amazing thing to see because she was able to like, she started getting weighed down by struggles with her parents, feeling like that weight of what her parents were going through. And then all of a sudden she'd be able to just give it to God. And like, I was able to teach her how to surrender that and just try to be a kid. And it was such a cool thing to be able to like help a child to develop that relationship. Cause even when they left, it's like, man, she's got that. She has that. Even if she doesn't have us. Yeah. That's so cool. I I feel like there are so many times where you have this short-term placement and things don't end up the way that you thought they should. And you look back and you say like, what was even the point of that? Like, what did I just accomplish there? What a gift for you to have kids for three months and be like, oh man, this is what we gave yeah. them. This is what God's plan was. And this is what they're leaving with. Yeah. There that's was so way. much peace for yeah. sure. There was so much peace in that. And um, that's what helps me is just when I'm able to focus on what I can do and let go of what's out of my control yeah. um, and know that like, yeah, these kids might be here for a week, a few weeks, a month, you know, longer year. But if I do everything in my power that day to help them know they're loved, they're special, they matter, then I did my job. And yeah. that gives me peace peace just knowing like I gave him my all and I did everything I could for that kid. All right. All right. This is where I want to switch gears a little bit from you just telling your story to you helping me because the more we talk, I'm like, oh yeah, we are the same person. (laughs) (laughs) And here is what I am facing and here something that we've kind of glossed over in our conversation, but you focus on in the book is Mm -hmm. just your struggle with anxiety and depression and how much caring for people that you can't fix. So whether it's Chris or whether it's the kids, 
there is so much of like, I'm fighting and fighting and working and yet I can't fix the things. So I want to talk about, I want to talk about, I I feel like this term is thrown around. I throw it around, but I want to talk about self-care. Yeah. I want to talk about what it looks like to love people hard with abandon and yet entrust them to God. Like how have you, because you're in a different place than you were and you've learned a lot of this, but I still hear that crazy in you that I have in me too. Like (laughs) in the middle of the night, I don't care if we're overwhelmed. I don't care if we can do this. Like we have to do this and I will make it happen. But then what Mm -hmm. that means is like, now there's two more on my shoulders and there is a point and I, I have hit this point recently. So my podcast kind of always goes where I am and I'm in point of like, oh no, I have too much on my shoulders and mm-hmm. I'm starting to break. And I yeah. know you've been there. So talk to oh, yeah. me just as someone who's struggling through that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's, I did not have any idea how to handle it when I was in college and really what I think drove me into the depression and got me to a place where I was completely stuck was because of the fact that I was putting so much weight on my shoulders. Yeah, I was putting the things that these kids had gone through on my yeah. shoulders um, just struggling with that pain, their happiness, their success, um, where uh, struggling with all of that, putting it all on my shoulders. And it got to a point where I wasn't letting it go. I wasn't letting it out. I was taking responsibility for their happiness. I felt like I had such a great life. I had everything I needed. I was in such a great place that it was my responsibility to help these kids who weren't there who did not know that they were loved, did not, they were special. And I totally took that weight on me. And it got to a point where I stopped caring because it was too much. Right. So I started shutting down my feelings. I didn't realize I was doing it. And right, I didn't right, right. realize why it was happening at the time, but I do now. Um, but I started, it, my feelings started shutting down. Um, I stopped caring as much as I used to. Like, what's the point? They're struggling. Like, I can't fix this. I can't help them. Um, so am, am I really, is this even worth it? And it, I really did. I went through a really, really dark time struggling with depression, anxiety, and I didn't understand why I was struggling with it. Didn't make sense. Um, I went away from God and I didn't want to get help because I had always helped everybody else. Like, I don't want help. I hate help. Like, I want to be the one helping someone else. Like, it felt so vulnerable and hard to be like, hey, I'm not okay right now. I'm struggling. Um, so I suffered way longer than I should have. And I got oh, that's such a good point. I love that sentence. I hope everyone hears that. Yeah. I suffered way longer because it's so hard to admit it. And yeah. so you just keep trudging through and the weight just gets heavier. It doesn't get lighter. It's yeah. not like, okay, I'm making weight at this. It's just growing on you. Yeah. It keeps, it keeps growing. Yeah. And you bury, I kept burying it down and putting a smile on my face, acting like everything's good. I've always had things that seems like put together and great. And now I'm falling apart. No one knows it because I can't let them know. Yeah. I'm the one that's in charge of all of this. So it was really hard for me to just let go and be like, Hey, I need help and realize that getting help is a strength, not a weakness. Um, and honestly, I learned during that time, I'm so thankful I went through that time because I learned how to surrender the weight to God and to depend on God because I always depended on myself. I always felt like it was my responsibility. And instead of like trusting that I can do what I can do and the rest is up to God and I'm going to put this 
give this child to God and just focus on what I can do and what's in my control instead of focusing on what's out of my control or if this child's really struggling. And it's still a battle. Don't get me wrong. Like there's still moments, especially with our oldest, where I'm like, man, there's nothing we're doing that's working. Nothing we're doing that's helping. She's an adult. So I feel like this urgency to like get, yeah. get things, you know, fixed more. Um, so that's really hard to let go of that. But it's that daily surrender of that weight. And we're not meant to carry those things. We're not meant to carry their struggles. We're just meant to and called to love them like we can and try to just continue to let go of everything else Yeah, um, and just depend on God. So what did practically help look like for you back then? Yeah. So, um, eventually I was able to go back to, we were able to go back to church and I was able to get strength through God to go in and see a mental health therapist. And I was put on medication. Um, and it completely changed everything around. And I'm like, why did I not do this? Yeah, yeah. I cannot believe I didn't go in sooner. Um, but I, cause I was so against getting the help. I felt like if I couldn't figure this out, I wasn't gonna be able to figure out anything in life if something bad happened. So that is what absolutely changed it around is just being able to admit like, Hey, I don't feel like myself, something's going on, something's changing. And I need to go talk to a professional about this and see if I can get something to kind of help with what's going on. Um, Just like if you break your arm, you're going to go to the doctor. Right. Such a good point. It's like, what other thing do we say like, Oh, I'm sick and I'm just going to continue to walk around. Not okay. (laughs) And that it is okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. And that's one of the reasons we wrote, I wrote, I put this in the book because that was hard to be super open and vulnerable about it. But I just want people to realize like it's, it's an absolute strength to get help. And I felt like I would never be me again. Like I felt like I was lost and I was never going to be me again. And I'm happier than I ever have been. I'm more me than I ever have been. Mm. Um, I really had to learn how to surrender and how to depend on God and not carry the weight in order to be foster and adoptive parents. Yeah. I, it's a strange dichotomy because I feel like you don't jump into this life unless you have just a little bit of that savior complex, unless you have a little bit of that drive or even just to say it in a less negative way, like belief that you can actually make a difference. Oh but yeah. You realize that there's a limit to the difference you can make. There has to be a, okay, I'm faithful up to this point, And then I place the rest where it already is and where it belongs, which is yep. in hands. It's when we try to start grabbing stuff out of his hands yes. that it gets messy. That's when the weight, like his yoke is easy. His burden is light. Like there shouldn't be those burdens. And so when we're taking those things on, it's because we're taking things that he hasn't called us to. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. I mean, it's so easy to do too, as a parent, like you love your kids more than anything. And every kid that's coming into our home, we love so much. And it's so easy when you hear these things that they've been through or the see the behaviors or what they're struggling with to get frustrated or overwhelmed with that and put that weight on your shoulders because you want to take it from them, but you can't like you can, to an extent you can, you can kind of help carry that burden, but then you have to release it to God. Um, and just really, I mean, that's honestly just the biggest thing is just focusing on what you can do and giving the rest to God and being patient. 
Because yeah. I know with like Whitley, our oldest, when she was living with us, there are so many times like me and Chris would look at each other like nothing. We are saying she's getting nothing in one year out the other. And then like a year later, you're like, wait, she heard that? Right, right, oh, right. Oh, she remembers right. that? Like she took that in. And so that's another thing too, is you have to trust that timing and be patient in the waiting, which is really hard to do when your child's struggling. Um, But being patient and just trusting that if you keep doing what you can do and keep loving them as much as you can and keep putting it in God's hands um, instead of on your shoulders, then things are going to turn around. Um, And it takes a long time. I was just talking to a friend of mine who has a teenage foster child in their home and it's really rough. And I was like, you know what? I have never parented a teenager. I've got nothing for you there. But one of the most helpful parenting tips that I got when I became a biological mom 10 years ago is you don't reap in the same season that you sow. And Mm -hmm. then how much more for kids who have such hard ground that you're trying to reap and sow. And like these kids have, have had layer of layer placed on this ground and so you are just sowing 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 and you may never reap but you Mm -hmm. may never see what you've reaped but you're faithful for the sowing and it's so hard to be faithful when when you don't see you just want it to be like easy effects like I put in the work Mm -hmm. and then it happens right no it is that's hard to stay patient in those times when things aren't changing and those behaviors you keep seeing and they're you feel like you're helpless like there's nothing you can do to help this person who you love so much and um that's again where you really just have to surrender that to God and just trust that if you do everything you can in your power you are doing enough and you are doing what God has called you to do. And it might take a lot of time and it might take them suffering or having to go through a really hard time to get it. And that's hard to like, let that happen. But I know for Whitley, I mean, we did have to let that happen. She left right when she graduated from high school, went back with her sister into a situation we knew was not good for her. We knew it wasn't going to work out, but she learned so much during that time. Hmm. Um, and she started realizing like what she had when she was with us that she never saw. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how much do you think that you and Chris battling so much before you had kids of like, we're talking about working, working, working with very little tangible fruit. How much do you think, I mean, on one hand, it feels like Chris with his chair, you with the work that you have helping him are the least equipped people to take on all these kids. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, it feels like you're the most equipped because you know what it's like to fight and battle and see very little fruit, but continue to be faithful and believe. Like how much does that come into play? The battles that you fought before you had kids? I mean, yeah, I think that's really what's helped us to be able to actually follow this calling is what we had to deal with and go get through before. And that's really, I believe that God took parts away from me and parts away from Chris that would have held us back from mm-hmm. being a foster parent right. and equipped us with what we needed in order to follow this calling that was on our lives. Um, so, and we really learned like things take time and especially for Chris, like his movements came back extremely slowly, um, very, very slowly. So it was just knowing that that day I did what I could to better myself, to get a little bit closer to my goals. And, um, I focused on what I could do. Um, so it's been very, very helpful with learning the skills that we need in order to just, um, focus on that. Yeah. So good. Yeah. All right. So how much of your day 
is spent. So we talked about the the thought and the heart, and I think that that is key. I think that self-care is primarily in your mind and heart and in your relationship with the Lord. But how much of your day is spent taking care of other people? I mean, the majority of Like the percentage, (laughs) what are you at? Like 90% of your day is actually like practically, tangibly meeting other people's needs. I mean, probably about that. Yeah, I would say. (laughs) Okay, so what what does it look like then for you to intentionally use that 10% to connect with God Mm -hmm. and to keep yourself healthy, physically, mentally? Like what does self-care look like? Like I think, oh, I'm spread thin, but then I'm like, oh, no, no, no. You're spread thin. (laughs) I mean, I think it's... I, I, it's, it's something that's not easy for me <laughs> so yeah. I take care of myself or focus on myself. Um, and I really do get my energy and my, um, joy from just doing what I can to help others. Yeah. Um, but I definitely like something I've been recently doing is in the morning, trying to get up into a space where I can read Bible, the Bible or verses, um, journal, write down like my goals for that day. That's been really helpful. I just recently started doing that. Um, where I've been able to kind of just get ready for the day and get yeah. my, my mindset in a good place where I'm like ready to take on the day instead of just kind of like going through motion. Right. Yeah, exactly. So that's been helpful. And then, um, we always have, we try to get the kids to bed at a good time. So we're able to just wind down. Oh yeah. That makes all the time. It really does. <laughs> like just being able to talk to each other, watching a show, just oh, yeah. really just like trying to do. How nothing. old are your girls? Your so girls are a- at home with you. Yeah. So we have a three-year-old, six-year-old, eight-year-old, 10-year-old, and then a 20-year-old. So yeah. Willie's living with us right now too. Okay. Yeah. So I have very similar ages. I have uh, four or five, seven, and 10. So right in that okay. age group. Okay. And 10 is like, they want to talk and they, yeah. but then you have the three-year-old. So you're kind of straddling both of like the activities and all that, but then the just out of toddlerism. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so are you an Enneagram person? Um, I mean, I, I feel like I've done the test. Um, oh, I'm trying to, well, there, like, I know what number you are. <laughs> yeah. Is it the helper? Or whatever? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, okay, and I, I don't remember what number that. Yeah. You're too. <laughs> I think that's what it was. Yeah. But and I think that that is a part of it is the, is the two-ness of just feeling refreshed by yeah. serving others. Oh yeah, absolutely. For some people, serving others is super draining. Right. You know, it's really invigorating. And I think that that probably gives like a an insight into why you're able to give 90% of your day. Yeah, for sure. No, I think that's true. Cause I mean, too, like when we have uh, like right now we don't have a foster placement, we're doing some work. We just moved to a house. We're like putting on an extra bedroom. So we have that space, but I'm like, man, I feel like I don't have a lot of energy right now. <laughs> I need another kid. I need a project like, to ready get... to work. Yeah. Right, getting right. Going and, like <laughs> super focused. Cause I really am like, I have so much more energy when there's more to do. Like yeah. I just have to do it. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about just you and and that 10% of your day now. (laughs) I want to know what you're doing, what you're eating, what you're reading, what you're watching and what you're listening to. 
Yeah. I mean, right now, the a big thing that we're really working on is just getting this book out, The Seven yeah. Longest Yards, to as many people as possible. So um, what does so that actually look like for you day to day? I mean, yeah. we're talking right now. So. Right. Yeah, exactly. Podcasts. We've been yeah. doing a lot of podcasts, a lot. Um, so just really trying to do the podcast. We were on Good Morning America and Fox and Friends this past week. So that was pretty cool. Um, and so just trying to do those interviews and all of that to get it out to as many people as possible. And so do you find really that invigorating? Um, I mean, that's draining to me. Is it? Okay. <laughs> it is. Like after we were in New York City, I came home and I was like, man, I'm tired. Yeah. It's like, I, I love doing it with just being able to just reach more people, but it really is like, that's where that drains me. That yeah. kind of takes my energy away. Um, but I know it's, it's for a good reason. Um, I'm so, excited to tell people about your book also, because I have oh. just, I've loved it. Yeah. So that's been the biggest thing. And then just keeping up with the kids and um, just, yeah, just really doing, doing yeah. that. I want to do. You're doing, you're doing a lot. <laughs> All right. What are you eating? Um, I'm trying to eat fruit or drink, I guess, fruit smoothies because I'm not a big fruit person, but if I can just put it in a smoothie, I'm able to actually get fruit in me. So have um, you had, you know, there's these places like we have them around here and I know them by the brands, but like acai bowls. Oh yes. I love oh my those. Gosh. They're, They're so, so good. good. Wait, where do you live? They are. We live in Wellington, really close to West Palm beach, Florida. Okay. So yeah, I feel like that would be a thing where you are. Yeah. Yeah, that is. No, we love those. Those are really good. Oh, love them. Okay. What are you reading? Well, honestly, I don't really read books. Okay. <laughs> I'm not a big book person, yeah. um, but I love reading like blogs. I love reading your blog and uh -oh. your posts and just, I follow that's literally on Instagram, social media, Facebook. All I do is follow like foster parents and adoptive yeah. parents. So that's when I'm reading something, yeah, yeah. I'm reading like social media posts or yeah. blogs. Which is probably perfect for your lifestyle. Like, okay, yeah. give me five minutes of something to like invigorate me. Yes. No, exactly. For sure. Cool. What are you watching? Okay. I'm watching The Bachelorette. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's so dumb, but it's so entertaining and it just like takes me out of like just the reality. Yeah. And just, I don't know. I, I usually, I'm, I get bored during shows. I really do. Like it takes yeah. a lot to keep me entertained for shows. So that show though, I'm not on my phone. I'm not like distracted <laughs> from doing something else. It just pulls me into the drama. <laughs> All right. I think I've made, I have a confession. I think that I have bashed the bachelorette on this podcast before. I, do you follow Lisa? Yeah. Have you heard oh, yeah. <laughs> Lisa mess into a message? Do you yes, know? I do. Okay. So oh, she's yeah. a good friend of mine, like a real life friend. Yeah. And, oh, now I feel like I'm totally outing her. On, oh, well, I'm going to anyway, Lisa, you shouldn't watch the bachelorette if you don't want people to know. So, she, we have this joke where like she'll send a picture of her watching The Bachelorette and I'm like, I'm judging you. You're, you know. Yeah. So we were in Florida together and we were talking. I was making fun of her. I came home from Florida, got a notification on my phone that The Hills okay. that was on MTV yeah. back in the day is like rebooted. And I was like, everything inside of me was like, oh my gosh, The Hills is back on. <laughs> it has to be trashier show than The Bachelorette. That's and funny. so I texted her and I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm sitting and watching The Hills right now. So oh I get God. how like, 
it, there is something that just draws you in. Yeah, it does. It's trashy reality. Right. No, it really does. I don't know. It's entertaining. It just pulls you out of reality because exactly. I don't agree with it at all. And it's it's just entertaining to watch. And it's just like, what are these people doing? I cannot yeah. stop watching. Yeah. I know exactly for sure. Well, I'm so glad <laughs> that you just admitted that. Oh yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll admit it. <laughs> and I'm sorry, Lisa, for just throwing you under the bus publicly. <laughs> but, all right, what are you listening to? So your podcast, oh, honestly, you're so sweet. I love it. I'm being serious. They had asked, like, are there any podcasts that you want to be on? And I was like, I have to be on this one because <laughs> I love your podcast and you just make it so real and such a good conversation. So that's, I always listen that to your podcast. That means so much to me, Emily. Thank and you. Then I love Christian music too. Like that's my, I feel like it just, it's good for my soul and just good for me to put things in perspective. Absolutely. So that's when I just am able to just kind of in, in a rut or stressed out about things. If I'm able to just play Christian music and yeah. pull on some of those messages into my life, that's really helpful too. Yeah. Yeah. When someone's singing truth at you, when you're doing life, it's like, yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that's a song, even if I forget who it's by, but that's like, even if things aren't going like you want them to, you know, still just putting your trust in God. I think that's a huge thing you have to do. That's my favorite song. And with fostering, adopting, it's hard when things aren't going the way you want them to and letting go of that weight, but you still just being trusting in God and still just focusing on what you can do. And, um, you know, it's, it's important, even if it's not going great. Yeah. All right. You just hit the thesis and I actually, sorry if this makes you uncomfortable, but I actually have to read something from your book. I've never done this. That's okay. (laughs) This is where I would typically say like, okay, tell us where we can find you. But I am telling everyone you want to read this book, the seven longest yards by Emily Norton and her husband, Chris. Um, But here's what I love that pertains to foster care specifically. And it resonated so much because this is my heart. And I was like, oh, yes, she put it all together in that one sort of like seemingly contradicting paragraph. Becoming a foster parent was the best thing I've ever done. I finally found my purpose and reason for being alive. After so many years of pretending I had it all together and relying on myself for everything, I now didn't have a choice but to put everything in God's hands. Taking in kids who needed help removed any charade of knowing what the future held or controlling my own destiny. I, for me, because at first I was like, oh yeah, I struggle with thinking I found my purpose, my reason for being alive and seeing that almost as like a negative thing, like I find my identity in this and I, I get this savior complex. But then you just hit it with, the reason that I found this purpose is because for so long I was trying to do all the things to make everything better, but this mm-hmm. brought me to my knees of yeah. just having to place them in God's hands. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So I am finishing this podcast by saying you want to go out and read this book and where can they find you or more about the book online? Yeah. So, I mean, the book's available for purchase, like really on every major um, Amazon, (laughs) Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all of that. And then um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, My handle is Emily Summers Norton. Um, I try to post on there. I'm not very good at it all the time. I'm getting a good swing of it and then out of it. But I do try to keep people kind of updated and posted. And um, Well, and I'll connect to that because I'm sure people are going to want to stay connected to you. Emily, this was so great. I loved 
reading your book, but I loved getting to talk to you even more. Thanks so much for just taking the time, sharing your heart, sharing your story and what you've learned. It's been a gift. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Real Mom Podcast. You can find us online, www.realmompodcast.com or on iTunes and subscribe. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash realmompodcast or Instagram at realmompodcast. Thanks so much for listening.